As I've said, we have been going through the essentials of the Christian faith. We've been going through a series called This We Believe. And what we believe comes from this right here. This is our guide. And hopefully you've got the email. Hopefully you get it every week. If you don't get the email, let us know. We'll get you the email. Every week as a church, we're going to have a Bible verse to memorize. I encourage you, get that in you. Soak it up. Let's get the Word in us. This is our guide. This is what we believe. It comes from the Word. But we are also shaped by other things. We're ultimately shaped by the Bible. But we're also shaped by our Christian heritage. That includes the great creeds of the faith. There's many ancient creeds that are very Trinitarian, very Christological in nature. I just love reading some of these old creeds. There's so much wealth. We're shaped by that as a church. We're also, in many ways, greatly shaped by the Reformation time, especially when it comes to justification by faith alone. As it was said, it's the article in which the church stands or falls. And we've spent three weeks talking about that. And as a, as a church, we also follow the conservative evangelical route. Yet we move away, this is important, we're not the type of church that's very separatist from other churches or the world. That's, that's not our style. We don't want to be that mindset. We want to, with other churches, advance the kingdom of God. Amen? And be in the world let them know. So that's what we're all about. But it's important to know that we're not completely bound by these traditions. We're bound by this, right? This is our guide. And I've mentioned this before. Get this in you. In this series, we're going to talk about what we believe and why we believe it. But a lot of times churches stop right at that. We're not going to stop there. We're also going to incorporate how it affects our lives. We want to put it into action. And that's why from this Sunday to the last day I preach my dying breath, here it is, church. We're not just going to have truth statements. We're going to apply this. What does this look like? That's why this Sunday is great. And next Sunday is just unbelievable. It's going to be unbelievable because we want to apply this. We're going to be looking upward, inward, and outward. We want to know, be, and do. Does that make sense? And that's what the Bible's all about, living this out. In fact, it impacts a couple areas of our life. If you take a look up at the screen here, these are a couple of the areas that we have. We have this inward aspect, the Christian faith. But that leads to outward stuff, our life. It grows into that. We have doctrine, but it's not just doctrine. Doctrine should lead to duty. Okay? That's what our church is about. Or another way to say it, orthodoxy, correct right thinking, leads to correct right living. That's the way it should be. And what we are leads to, and what we are, who we are, what we think about, leads to how we are to act. These are very important to bring doctrine and devotion together. And that's what I love. And you'll find that in me. I love to study doctrine. I love the word, but it leads to devotion. Remember this, this the sermon I preached? Oh, how I love your law, oh Lord. His law, the word, is our delight. And on it we meditate, what, day and night. It leads to 
devotion. And that's what we want to be about. The gospel is at the heart of our church. And that's what we're all about. Both in what we believe and how we live that out in our belief, our behavior. Most of my sermons have been about what we believe, but now we transition and how that affects our faith and living that out. And I said this before, and just think of this. True thinking of the Bible, true theology instructs our lives and compels the heart to worship. It leads us to worship. And you will hear me say this all the time. This is going to be the number one thing I trumpet, I crusade. It's this. Our minds will engage in truth and our hearts will respond in worship. We are all about worship. We're all going to dig into the truth of the word and naturally that will lead to what? Worship. In fact, in a couple weeks you're just going to get, you're going to almost be like robots. It leads to worship. But it does! As we dig in the word, we soak this up, it's going to naturally lead to worship. But listen, not style of worship, object of worship. You hear that? Some people get caught up in just style of worship. We're not about style. Our church is about object of worship. Does that make sense? And that's what we're all about. And that's why I'm excited about today. So let me pray before we dig in. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. It guides us. It instructs us. It teaches us about you and how to live. And I thank you, Lord, that the glorious gospel that you've given us leads to sound doctrine and leads to correct living. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us today as we get to taste what does it look like to live out the gospel. Be with us, O Lord. Spirit, do your work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yesterday, I was able to go to Neil's house and see some great music, and I heard some music where I'm like, oh, that's just great. I was singing along. My daughters were in my arms. A bunch of guys got together. They were jamming. And, and when I first walked up, one of the, I said hello to some of the guys there. I didn't know who they were. And they, right away, because this is kind of a jam session, they said, hey, what do you play? And I'm looking, well, of course I look like I'm someone who's a professional. Look at my looks, you know. They're thinking, yeah, that guy, he must be great. And I kind of was like, well, I put my hands in my pocket. I can play the acoustic guitar. I was, it was easy to say that because I knew everything was plugged in here. So I was like, whew, they don't have to hear me. But I, 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 can, I can play the acoustic guitar. I can just play some chords, and that's about it, you know. And, but just, just to let you church know, when I was a kid, I took an instrument as a as something I had to do in school. My mom was like, hey, what do you want to take as an instrument? Right away I was like, drums! But my mom was like, no way. That's not going to happen. So I was like, well, well, what should I do? And I kind of looked at some of the instruments in, in, at our school. This was elementary school. They had, you know, the orchestra was there, you know, pit and stuff, and they had all this stuff. And I looked at a violin, and, and my mindset was like, that's for like little cute girls. I'm not going to do that. And then I saw a flute, and I went, no, no way. I'm not... But then, this, this may surprise you, guess what instrument I picked up? A cello. I played the, the some of you are like, whoa, yeah, that does surprise you. I played the cello. It was really hard biking home with a cello between the handlebars, and that pin would fall out, ding, 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 and I'd have to stop and get in. You know. So I played the cello. I remember sitting in the chair, grabbing that thing, putting it like this, and, oh, okay, Suzuki, twinkle, twinkle, little, you know, okay. 
my teacher, she was great. She's like, here you go. Here's Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. You can play it like little different rhythms. She showed me all this stuff. And then she's like, oh, something's happening. I was like, what's happening? What am I doing something wrong? She said, well, no, it's me. I'm pregnant. I'm going to have a baby. And I'm this little kid at elementary school. Okay. She said, I'm going to be gone for a while. I've taught you all the notes. Here's some music. Learn this while I'm gone. And when I come back, you can play it. Okay. I'm your typical elementary kid. Pitch that is Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Months go on. I'm just playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. She has her baby, comes back, and she's all excited to hear me play the piece. She puts it in front of me, and I just go, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. I, I forgot all the notes. Every good boy does, how does that go? Something like that. I just, I looked, I looked at the notes. I'm like, I don't know what this is. She was like, Cody, you have to know this. Next week is the concert. I went, what? The concert? Are you, what? You're one of the only cello players we have. You have to play this. And I looked at the words, and on the top it said, the William Tell Overture. Why are some of you laughing? Because some of you are old enough to know what that piece is. Some of you remember the Lone Ranger? You need a cello in that piece. I was the play that I'm just twinkle, twinkle, little star. What's going on? Oh, I was in deep. Can I learn that in a week? <laughs> the night of the concert. Everyone's there. I'm sitting in this chair. Everyone's out there. I'm, all these little kids. We don't know what we're doing. But gratefully, I remembered the song. A little kid, I would see the Lone Ranger. I knew that piece. I just kind of pictured the horse and stuff. So when the time came, lights go out, lights on us. When the time came, I just started playing it. And everyone's like, look at that kid go. All of us were on. It wasn't just me. There's tons of people up there. But I'm just playing. And my mom was like, wow. But the whole time, my bow was about an inch above the strings. I was faking it. I was faking it the whole time, but I knew the melody, so I was going, I faked the whole thing, and when everyone's down there, like, that guy can play. I faked the whole thing. Do you know what? In life, you can fake many things. You can fake that you're happy. You can come here today and go, how's it going? Oh, hey, Pastor Cody, nice to meet you. Oh, what a great day. Now, you can be faking it. We fake many things. Some of you fake life. Some of you have had marriages, your marriage, whatever's going on, where your marriage, it's, it's fake. On the outside, you're like, oh, things are okay. But on the inside, it's like dead man's bones. You know, we can fake many things in life. Oh, I fake that cello so well. People are just like, wow, that guy's good. You can fake being happy. You can fake friendships. I've had fake friendships. Have you had fake friendships where they're faking it and you're thinking it's real? That's hard. But listen to this. This is very important. There are some things you cannot fake. Okay? There are some things you cannot fake. And one of them is the gospel message. Please listen to this. You cannot fake the gospel. You cannot fake this. 
oh, I see many people. Many people, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, I got my Christianese language. I've got my nice shirt on. I've got my, you know, they look the part and they act the part. They can speak it. Oh, but they're faking it. There's some things you cannot fake. And if you try to fake them, they'll lead to death. You cannot fake the gospel. And we've been talking about the gospel message for three weeks. And this is going to be our last week, and then we're going to transition to some other topics, but we'll always have the gospel. So here's the question, church. What is the gospel? We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. What is the gospel? You're suddenly thinking, okay, well, it's this. Some of you are thinking, okay, there's the four spiritual laws, or okay, there's John 3.16. What, what is the gospel? So this is what I want to do. I want, I want to say to you, that, and this is something I've been, I've been taking quite some time thinking through this, and this last week I've been just loving this study I've, I've been doing about the gospel. The word gospel in Scripture is this word. It's kind of a weird word. It's called evangelion. And it's where we get the word evangel. We also get the words good news from the gospel. Whenever you see the word gospel or good news, that's a translation of evangelion. It's, it's good news. Do you remember the old Bible back in the day in the 70s called the Good News Bible? That's just the gospel Bible. That's a great title. In fact, if some of you had older Bibles, take a look at some of the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It will say the gospel according to Matthew. You remember that? The gospel according to, or it's the good news according to the evangelion. It's the good news. So what is the gospel? It's the good news. It's the good news. That's why we've been taking so long saying, this is the good news message. So let me back up again. What is the gospel? What is this good news? Let me just, let me just do this. Let me take some time here and look at this. The gospel has two answers. There's kind of a very specific answer and a very broad answer. Okay? So let's take a look at this. What is the gospel? It's twofold. First of all, the gospel is the cross. The gospel is the cross. It's a very specific passage. It's the message that sinners can be forgiven. I'm free only because of him. It's the good news of the cross. And we've been talking about it for three weeks. It's the message of God's saving work through Christ alone. It's God reconciling us to himself through the death, through the work of Christ, our substitute. There's a call to repent and believe. The gospel is the cross. First of all, the gospel is the cross. It answers this question. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? In Acts chapter 16, verse 30, it says this. Someone says, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And the first part of the gospel, the aspect, the first part is... It answers this question. What must I do to be saved? It's in Christ. Christ alone. It's through his work. Christ. It answers that question. And we find this, what must I do to be saved? Well, we look at some of these passages. Remember, out of the greatest book, out of the greatest testament, out of the greatest book, out of the greatest chapter, out of the greatest paragraph. What's that greatest paragraph ever written in the history of time? Romans chapter what? 3, 21 through 26. 
What must I do to be saved? It's all right there. It's the chief part of that epistle and the whole Bible. It all points to that. It's all about Jesus, the cross. We've also been talking about what must I do to be saved. It's 1 Corinthians 15. Remember we talked about that? What's the number one thing? What's first importance? This is of first importance, that Christ died for our sins. Remember that? According to the Scriptures. We've been taking three weeks talking about answering this question, what must I do to be saved? It's the gospel of the cross. And that's the gospel message. If you could boil down the gospel into one little paragraph, it's this. There is one God. He created us in His image. He made us good. But we failed. We sinned. We went against His holy standard. And here it is, remember this. God would be just to condemn us forever. But in his great love, the eternal Son of God took on flesh, fully God, fully man, lived a life of obedience all the way to the cross and died for those who would believe and trust in him and rose again to give us new life. Amen? That's the gospel message. That's the first aspect of of the gospel. What is the gospel? What's well, the good news of the cross? But there's more than that. It begins with that, but the second part is this. The gospel is also the gospel of the kingdom of God. Okay? The gospel of the kingdom of God. The good news of the kingdom of God. The whole package. The gospel of the kingdom includes the cross. In fact, the cross is the key to the gospel of the kingdom and the sound truths that have come from the cross. Take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. What a great chapter. The last part of verse 10 and then verse 11. As I've been studying about the gospel, I'm amazed at how much is all about the cross, but also so much of the gospel then opens up the door to other things we have in life. Listen to this. I'm going to start at the kind of towards the end of verse 10 into 11. It says this. The sound doctrine that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God. We have the gospel message, but out of that we have truths, sound doctrine that conform to that great message of the cross. The cross is the pivot point of history, the good news of message of hope, but it also includes a few things. Listen to this. It includes the resurrection. It includes peace. It includes other implications, forgiveness, reconciliation, sanctification, and the coming kingdom. What am I saying here? It's the broad blessings that are attained by the means of the cross. The first aspect answered the question, what must I do to be saved? We, we hear about that all the time. That's the gospel message. The second one answers this question. What is the whole good news of Christianity? Jesus in Luke chapter 4. Take a look at this. Luke chapter 4. 
Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus uses this word gospel. Evangelion. He preaches the good news. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. What a great section here. He opens up the scroll to Isaiah. And this is what he reads. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news, the gospel to preach good news to the poor, and he carries on. What is this? The good news to the poor. It's all this good message. Again, the first part answers this. What must I do to be saved? The second part, what is the good news of Christianity? The full message. And we'll get into some more verses in a moment. The gospel message is this. The first one was, this is what we must do to be saved. Here's the gospel message in answering this question. It's the good news of God's sovereign reign that he's going to remake and renew the whole world through Christ. God's purpose in Christ is to renew the world, redeem history, and fulfill his kingdom for all who believe in him. As one author, George Ladd, who studied the kingdom of God his whole life, wrote this down, it is the realization of God's kingdom rule and the enjoyment of the accompanying blessings of the good news. The gospel is this. It's within you, Christ in you, but it also impacts the world. It's going to transform the world. Does that make sense? And that's where we're going to get into today. What is the gospel? Well, we know what it means to be saved. We we understand, okay, it's through the cross, but what do we do with this data? And this is the big transition that I'm doing from here until the last day I preach my breath. Here it is. I do not want to just dictate truth statements to you. Christ Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, period, and end there. It has to do something in you, right? Here's the thing. A lot of churches do this. They just, they, we're, we're great in the West, and I just read this, some um, writer in England, a great theologian, wrote this about churches in America. The, the, the American Western church is great at talking about evangelism, talking about the cross, but that's it. They stop there. They don't know how to apply it and live it out. So I wrote this down. What do we do with these truth statements? Or more specifically, and this is the big one, how does the gospel apply to your life today? How does it apply? Because most of you can go, yeah, okay, I trust Jesus, that's it. Then you put your hands in your pocket. How does it apply to me today? I'm saved and that's it, okay, let's wait for heaven. Well, there's so much more. Two things. I'm going to dig into these two things. How do we apply the, the gospel in your life today? Number one, it must change you. Etch that into your memory. Write it down. It's very important. The gospel must change you. The gospel begins to change and transform all aspects of our lives as we follow Jesus and become more like him. It, it transforms you. Let's look at some of these verses here. Romans chapter 8. Oh, we could spend all day Romans 8. Remember, I'm a Romans freak. Romans chapter 8. This, this is one of the themes of, of our lives. What, what are we all about? Why do we live each day? Look at this. Romans chapter 8. 
verse 29. Romans 8, 29. And sometimes some of our translations have some big words here. They're kind of like, what does this all mean? I love how the NLT does this. So take a look up at the screen here. Listen, what, how do we live? How do we apply the gospel to our lives? Number one, it must change you. Look at this here. For God knew his people in advance. Some of you have Bibles that say he predestined. Big words, what does it all mean? Okay, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. The more and more we understand the gospel, the more and more we are being transformed, we are being made like his son. It has to change us. We become like Christ. We become more and more Christ-like Christians. It transforms us. That's a great verse. The next one, Ephesians 3, 19. We'll have it up on the screen here. Ephesians 3, 19. This is, Paul has his great prayer. He's praying for his people. In fact, just so you know, every week I'm handwriting out Paul's prayer that he does here in Ephesians 3 for you as a church. I'm handwriting it out. and Sometimes I'll pause and just pray for individual people. What's one of the main parts of this prayer? Listen to this. And to know this love, he's been praying that, that you'd, um, you'd be um, with power, strength with power, the Holy Spirit would come, strength that, you would, that Christ would dwell in your hearts, that you, and then you would know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may fill to the measure of all the fullness of God. What's the purpose? So we would be filled to the measure fullness of God. We need to be transformed so we understand him and be transformed to be more like him. It has to change you. The next verse also comes out of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, 4.13. The first part talks about, hey, there's, there's different positions in, in, that God has appointed, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and their purpose, what they're all about, is to help all of you to do works of service. Listen to this. This will continue until we all come to such unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son that we will become mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. What do these three verses say? They're saying this. When you have the gospel in you, it transforms you so you become more like Christ. You have to have the gospel in you so we can become more like Christ. If some of you are just at that first part of the gospel definition, oh, what must I do to be saved? And you stop there. You're missing out on the beauty of what the gospel's all about. So what I've done, the next slide, you'll take a look at this here. This is what this is all about. We look at his life and death, okay? And then, which this then transforms our life. The more we study the cross, the more it will transform our life. Remember, I said this last week, it's not about bad people becoming good. It's not about behavior modification. It's about dead people coming alive. Amen? It's all about that. But out of that, studying his life and death, it transforms our life. When we read his teachings and we understand his teaching, it then shapes our way of life. When we read and study his self-understanding. When we look at Jesus and we realize and study how he understood his position with God, that shapes our self-awareness in him. His example of sacrifice, 
shapes and transforms our example of service. His call for justice truly gets into our skin. And that compels us for concern and care for the world. I'm amazed at how many churches in their separatist mindset just pull away from everything and they never care about the poor. They never care about human trafficking. They don't understand. They just stay away. When we read Scripture, when we read the Old Testament and New Testament, which all talk about Christ, we then, His call for justice should burst us open because the gospel message is so good and we've got to do something to help this world. His model of relationships, and I love this one, his model of relationships, Christ's model, that is our method of discipleship. That's a big one for me. The gospel transforms us. It must be in you. And when you get it in you, when you realize his model of relationship, it creates a method of discipleship for us. His way of spirituality with the Father and with others is our model of worship. Oh, I wish we could take days on each one of these points. But we have years ahead of us. We're going to expound upon this whole stuff. His resurrection and return is our what? Our hope. Our what kind of hope? Living hope. Our living hope. This is one of the main aspects of our teaching time here at Sunday. Let me just say this. Every Sunday, this is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be looking at Christ, looking at passages that talk about the kingdom of God, the Lord, all these aspects, but we're going to take that and it's going to transform us into this side of the church. Does that make sense? That's what we're all going to be about. Every Sunday, every time you read the Word, don't just read it for rote memory or just data in your head. Our minds engage with truth in our what? Our hearts respond in what? Worship. It always leads to worship. That's what we're going to do here as a church. We will be looking at God to know Him personally, being shaped to be more like Christ and seeking living out our calling. So, the question again I had was, what do we do with the gospel? Number one, first we allow the gospel to change us. Number two, we want to live out a gospel-centered life. Okay, think about this now. We want to live out a gospel-centered life. What does that mean? Gospel-centered life. Or, or maybe, maybe the main question is this, and here, I've been thinking about this. What is the relevance of the gospel in my everyday life? What's the big purpose of the cross in your life today? What's the big purpose of it? How do you live it out every day? That sounds cute, but how do we do that? How do we live out the gospel message every day? Have you ever preached the gospel to yourself? Well, I'm a Christian. I don't need to. Every day, we must live out the gospel. Let me give you the quick answer. The implications of preaching the gospel to yourself every day is this. Listen. We see true victory and spiritual blessings that come from this lifestyle of being more like him and relying on his spirit. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. What does it mean to live out the gospel? Let me give you a complete opposite of what it looks like. I grew up in a family where I had a parent that was an alcoholic. 
Does anybody understand what that means? I'm not saying if you raise your hand that you're a part of that, but do you understand what I mean, what kind of a household that would be like? Alcoholism. It came in and ruined the family in so many ways. This is a picture of ugliness and how it infects every... When someone's an alcoholic in the family, it's just not something that's a problem. It infects every aspect of the life, right? Where the finances go, where the energy goes, losing jobs. It affects the family dynamics of parents and children and just, oh, the ugliness of that, okay? Living in a family like that can really mess it up. It can be ugly, right? Look at this side. The beauty of a gospel-filled life is this. Christ is the center, and there is life, and there is beauty. Contrast the ugliness of an alcoholic family. I ask this question. What does it look like, and how do we live in the beauty of the gospel? Or here it is. This might be the big question you may have. How do I apply the gospel to everyday life? Do you just wear a cross around your, your neck and your necklace and just go, praise God? That's just, that can be so quaint. It's not just that. How do we apply the gospel to every life? And I wrote this down, I have it even underlined, so I state this to you. We live out our daily lives where the gospel is the central applying truth seen in the cross. It's all right there. Turn to Philippians, and here's our memory verse for the week. Philippians chapter 1. Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1, 27. This is how we live out the gospel in our life. Right here. It's just, church, this is not just all of the cross, period, we're done. Let's go home. Look at this. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. It should be applied to every aspect of our life. So this is where I get excited. Let me give you examples of what it means, what it looks like to live a gospel-centered life. I'm going to start with this one, because this one is so easy to see in my family. You come and hang out my house for a couple hours, you'll see this happen. Why? Because I have four little girls. They can be crazy sometimes. That's why sometimes we sit in the back, because they might just break out in a little dance, or they might just, like, I want, I want that Bible. There might be a little tension back there. You're like, okay, what's going on with the Cargus family? Whenever there's tension... What do we need? The biggest thing that my girls need is forgiveness. So how do we apply the gospel to that? Look at this verse. Ephesians chapter 4.32. My daughter Autumn, this is her favorite verse. For some reason she memorized it when she was at church and she said, that's my favorite verse. Praise God, it's her favorite verse because we use this verse almost every week. This right here, people, this is it. This is where we live it out. This is where the gospel is applied to everyday life. It's easy to talk about my children, but how many of you need forgiveness with coworkers, forgiveness with your spouse, forgiveness with, did I just say family members? Yeah, family members. How many of you got a little tension with some of your family members that are in a different state or something? I'm the, what? Okay, there's some people. Apply the gospel daily 
to your life. How forgiveness, look at this verse. My kids have this memorized, and they put it, they say it like, be kind one to another, forgive me. But listen to this verse. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other because of the gospel message. Just as Christ God forgave you because of the cross, we should forgive. Listen, this week some of you will be at work with your neighbors, with your family, with your spouse, with your friends, and there's going to be tension, and you're going to be upset, and you're just going to be like, oh, and you don't want to forgive? Apply the gospel right there. I was forgiven in the cross. How quick should I be to forgive them? Amen? That's how you live a gospel-centered life. That's how you live it out. The next one. How do we live out the gospel? What's the relevance of the gospel in my everyday life? I love this example. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 19 and 20, Paul is dealing with people who are being very free with their sexuality. They're, they're being very immoral. They're just living this life that's just like, oh, I can do whatever I want. In those kind of situations, how can we apply the gospel? Paul does in 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you receive from God, listen to this, you are not your own. Oh, get this in you. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Anyone, th- 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 oh, this is such a huge verse with, with anyone with any kind of addiction or any kind of stuff they want to manipulate their body or do something. I'm not my own. I belong to you because of the cross. This is not my own. I want to honor God with my body. Amen? That's applying the cross to even addictions, struggles of the flesh. Apply the cross today. The next one is a great example found in Ephesians. How do you apply the gospel message to your marriage? How many of you are married? Raise your hand. There's a lot of you. Have you ever applied the gospel to your marriage? How do you do that? Is is that even conceivable? Oh, look at this verse. Ephesians chapter 5. The verse right before this, I found a lot of women, sometimes, especially if they're very unbiblical, they don't know the Bible, and they're very liberal, they'll see this verse that says, women submit to your husbands. They'll kind of be like, well, that's just such an old school verse. I don't want to do that. That's just wrong. I usually want to say, I would do that any day compared to what the men are supposed to do. Husbands, love your wives just as, and here's the gospel message, Christ loved the church and gave himself up. He died. I'll submit rather than death. (laughs) Women are supposed to submit. Men are supposed to be just willing to die. But this is applying the gospel. Paul's like, you can apply the gospel to your marriage. That's what this is all about. Love Men, love your wives in such a great way that death would just be like, no problem. Live that out. Paul's applying the gospel to even marriage. We are to apply the gospel to many things. We are to apply the gospel to the way you handle business. The way you handle anger. Discouragement, betrayal. Finances. We're supposed to apply the gospel to finances. 
control of the tongue. How many of you ever have a bad day? Okay. Boy, you all laugh when I say bad day. You must have really good bad days. I don't understand that. On your bad days, apply the gospel. We have a friend, a dear friend of the family. She was at school teaching. She had weeks of bad days. And her roommate would say, well, how does Christ's righteousness impact your bad day? And she kind of got her mind switched around saying, oh, my hope is not in that I have a good day. My hope is in Christ. That's already secure. Remember last week? I can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept first in heaven. My bad day is when I apply the gospel message, I'm forgiven. I'm free. And she was able to apply and see that the righteousness of Christ changes the way she viewed her circumstances. Daily, we must preach the gospel to ourselves. Here it is. The world will say this, you're okay. The world will say, look at that, right up there, I smiled when I saw this on the wall. You can do it! That's what the world says. Oh, you can do it! You're okay! Don't worry about that. Everyone does it. Oh, just do whatever you want. Be whatever you want. Think whatever you want. Act any way you want. But when you apply the gospel to everyday life, the gospel says this. Because of my sin, Christ died for me. But I'm justified. I'm made right only because of Christ. That I should look at my sin and go, that is sick because it's, the result was the cross. And even if I've sinned, God loves me. We apply the gospel to everyday life. Can your co-workers, can your family members realize that you have the gospel in you? Do you apply it every day? Let me end with this. When I was in seminary, I went to go visit a friend in the state next to us. But because Lake Michigan was in the way, I had to take a train all the way around Lake Michigan and get up to Grand Rapids. And I got on this train, I'm by myself, and it's quite a long, you know, a couple hours long, so I kind of sit down in this train, and a couple other people got in, and some of these guys were a little bit older than me, but they kind of walked in kind of like with an attitude. And I was like, look at these guys. I kind of put my chest out. I'm better than these guys. And they would just look at me once in a while, and I'd kind of, I'd kind of cross my arms and be like, come on. I didn't talk out loud, but that was my voice, and I'm thinking... Man, Charles Bronson, I could lift him out right now, okay? Yeah. Clint Eastwood, I'm, yeah. And these guys, something is very peculiar. I'm a watcher of people. And these three guys are acting really weird, so I'm just like, so I kind of strut, and I give them this look like, what's up? I'm just an idiot. And I'm, I'm just faking, like, full of muscle. Back off, big guys. I'm the main guy on this train right now. What a dork. The train stops. Listen to this. As soon as that train stopped, they jumped out, pulled out guns, grabbed a guy in front of me and pinned him to the ground, pulled out their badges, and dragged him off the train. And I sat there going, wow, I was messing with the wrong crowd. Here I'm acting all cool. They're probably like, is he with him? Is he a partner? That's probably what they're assessing. Like this, this attitude boy... Is he with this guy? I, faking it could have caused me my life, possibly. I faked it, and I could have gotten in some serious trouble. Listen. 
don't fake the gospel in your life. There's many things you can fake, but you cannot fake the gospel. Don't fake, I'm a Christian, or I can do this, I'm coming to church because you need Christ. He is your substitute. The cross every day. Turn to him for salvation. But don't fake your life. You need Christ every day. Preach the gospel every day. Let it impact your marriage. Let it impact forgiveness. I almost made Ephesians chapter 3, 34. That would be the main verse for us to memorize. No. Conduct yourself in a worthy manner. Because that's the gospel message. Let it impact your life. Don't fake it. And if you feel, listen to this. I can do this because we're a small church. If you feel like you're faking it, ask someone to pray with you today. Just go, hey, I'm faking it right now. Help me apply the gospel in this area. I would love, I would do anything to hang with you, be with you, to help you. You can help me apply the gospel every day. Let's pray.